Rural Health Voice, Episode 111, ODU Mobile Health. Welcome to the Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. What are the benefits and complications of mobile health? Dr. Carolyn Rutledge, Director of the Doctor of Nursing Practice Program at Old Dominion University, joined me to discuss rural outreach. Welcome, Dr. Rutledge. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm great. I really appreciate you being here with us today. It's, it's great to have people from all over Virginia talking about what awesome things they are doing in rural health. But I want to back up a little bit. Why and how did you first become interested in healthcare as a career? Well, I grew up on a farm and we had a lot of animals. And just seeing, dealing with animals, having birth, getting injured, I really got a passion for healthcare, taking care of anybody or any animal that was sick. And as I became older, I realized that if I went into the field of nursing, it opened more doors for me than any other field. And since I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, I chose to pursue a career in nursing. So I have a PhD in health services research with a minor in industrial and organizational psychology, trying to figure out how we can work as professions all together. And you are the director of the doctor of nursing practice at ODU. Why did you decide that you want to help teach nursing instead of just being a nurse? Well, I have worked in nursing as a family nurse practitioner for 32 years, and I realized that by educating other students in how to manage patients, I was actually impacting more patients than I could one-on-one. I just had a passion for empowering other people and really seeing that light bulb go off. And now you are a leader in an initiative to launch a mobile health clinic to serve the city of Franklin and Southampton County. How did that come about? Well, I grew up in a rural area, as I mentioned, and I have realized that a lot of my family members, friends, had trouble with access to care. And so I have been passionate about serving those that can't get health care for many, many years. And gradually, one thing opened the door, then another door was open, and another, and I ended up doing the mobile health van. Now, let's talk about some of those doors that are being opened. How is the clinic funded? I am very fortunate in that I have acquired a number of Health and Human Service, or HRSA, grants over the years. I think I have probably close to 30 grants since 1988. And my last three have really been setting the stage for it. About four years ago, I wrote a grant that was on behavioral health integration. And all of these grants have dealt with training either um, medical students, residents, nursing from all levels to go into the rural community. Well, with these last three grants, one of them focused on telehealth. So I've been very, very active in telehealth. Then the next one was behavioral health integration, which we ended up setting up a clinic in a homeless site, a homeless resource area. And that clinic has had a tremendous impact on that community. Then when HRSA had the call for the mobile health van, I wrote that grant because I saw a great way of expanding our care out to areas where there were no health care providers in certain areas. 
And what types of services will the mobile clinic provide? The mobile clinic has been very active with children's health, for one. We have worked a lot with the school system in Franklin County, or Franklin's, the city of Franklin, in order to improve their care. They had kids that they were getting ready to kick out of school because they had not received their physicals or their vaccinations. And so we were able to develop a program where we came in, ran clinics beside the Virginia Health Department, and were able to get these kids evaluated as well as immunized to stay in. Then we have expanded it to other needs. Um, we have realized that there's very little care in women's health. There are no women's health clinics in that area. And so we're getting ready to launch a women's health program there so women can come and get their mammograms, their pap smears, their annual physicals. So we have work with the community to identify what the greatest needs are. We are also looking at working very closely with Southampton Memorial Hospital so that we can manage their patients when they are discharged. Too often patients, as soon as they get discharged from the hospital, they're lost to care until they show up in the ER again. So we want to be able to manage them better between the time they get out of the hospital and their follow-up visit. And some of that will also be incorporated with telehealth. Now, we often see mobile units being touted as, you know, part of the solution for reducing travel barriers for rural patients. What are the complications of a mobile unit? When you move mobile vehicles into certain areas, you have to make sure you have the connection you need, the internet, if you're going to use your electronic health record, if you're going to use telehealth. You also need to make sure you have the electricity to run the mobile unit. It runs, it does have a generator, but that can run out of um, fuel very quickly. And so we try to be in sites that can support us. And that school, it's um, near grocery stores or other organizations. And Franklin County has been amazing as far as building out places where we can connect and provide the services. Great. Yeah, I, I'm guessing a, a mobile clinic, you can't just plug it in like you had a toaster. It's a little more complicated. A little bit. <laughs> what about the, the patients? What sort of payment or insurance options? What, what is it for their end? We had struggled and struggled with this. We wanted to be a clinic that would take Medicaid and Medicare, but we realized very quickly that there were too many hoops to jump through as an academic institution. And so we ended up developing it as a free clinic. So there are no fees to be seen in the clinic. That's great. So is there any sort of, I don't know, fundraising opportunity or how are you going to maintain that long term? <laughs> Good question. We are seeking a number of different venues. Again, going after more and more grants looking at evaluating how our programs are working, we have found that, in, for instance, with our homeless clinic, by running this clinic, we're decreasing the admissions on the day we're open or to the ED tremendously. And so we constantly collect data on the impact of the clinics. And so we're hoping to really engage in the community and foundations to help support it. And also being a member of the Free Clinic Association, 
we're able to hopefully generate some revenue through that. I've seen a lot of grants and other activities looking at mobile units. Is this, do you think, a short-term fix for access to rural care, or is mobile units the long-term landscape? Is this the solution? Well, we have modeled Air Clinic after the health wagon, which is in southwest Virginia. That particular mobile health clinic is the longest-running clinic in the country. It has been running over 40 years, and it is also a nurse-led mobile clinic. So when I look at their clinic and see that it has lasted this length of time, I can see hours lasting as long. When I talk to other people across the country doing similar things, we have been more active than many of them, and I think it's because we have followed the model that was used by the health wagon. Our other thought, and when we developed the grant, is for us to go in, but since we're also going in with students, helping students become passionate about the area so that when they graduate, they will establish practice in these areas. And then with the van, we can move to another area and do the same thing. So we're really not just hoping to provide care with the van, we're hoping to place providers in these areas that will stay and build their own clinics. Well, yes, one of the things that we often hear about access to rural communities is that the lack of providers. So what could be done to encourage rural students to consider healthcare careers like you did? Well, it's been fascinating. We have had so many students having been exposed to what we have done on the van and done in the homeless clinic, come back and say they never realized how important they could be and how much nurses could make a difference. And so they will come in and say, I thought I would be working in this nice, cushy office, but after working with the populations that you've exposed us to, I really want to be in these rural or underserved communities. So I think a lot of it is just increasing awareness, making them feel comfortable, meeting people in the community, and then they want to become a part. Well, I would also think that doing activities such as working with a, a homeless resource center helps increase you know, the student's ability to understand the, the complications of people living those lifestyles and maybe be a little less judgmental when they hand out advice? Oh, definitely. We had one student that I found very fascinating. She thought she would be in a real cushy office, and she actually took a job in the um, jail to provide care. And she said, before I had the exposure to the clinics that you were offering, I never would have considered this, but now I absolutely love it. If a rural student is considering some aspect of health, what advice would you give them? Our program is, I think, very special. We do, we, I would tell them they need to be in school with us because we do a hybrid type educational program. Our goal is to keep our rural students in the rural area and bring the education to them so they have a whole toolkit and don't feel isolated. By providing the telehealth, we're connecting them with the resources that are in the urban areas without them having to leave home. So we actually recruit from these areas and show people how we can make this a possibility for them. 
The other component that has been huge with the funding that I've gotten, right now, between the grant funding on two of them, we have $855,000 a year to offer students who come from rural areas and are interested in going back to these areas to work in some of these underserved clinics to become very comfortable with it. So I think this is another mechanism for increasing the workforce in these areas. So the last question, question I ask all my guests, if you could do anything, what would you do to improve health and health care in rural America? I have to say I feel like I am doing exactly what should be done. I think it's getting into the communities, it's meeting with the people, finding out what their needs are. It's meeting people who are already accepted by the community and having them advocate for you. You know, I am approaching retirement age, but I don't think I will ever retire because this has become such, it's not just a job, it is, has become who I am. Well, we appreciate very much who you are and what you're doing and how are you helping support the future of rural health working with the students. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. That's Dr. Carolyn Rutledge with her passion for making a difference. If you want to be part of the conversation about rural health, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Rural Health Voice is the podcast of the Virginia Rural Health Association and is underwritten by the National Rural Health Association. 